Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show, every one of our listeners in the United States and around the world. And you know, we are getting such a great listening audience in other countries, 17 countries right now. I just want to thank you because you are making a difference in your country just by spreading the news about this show. So thank you so much. A special shout out to Yoshiko, Yoshiko Dart. I hope you're having a great day. And I have to thank, of course, our lead sponsor, Highmark. Highmark has been the lead sponsor of this radio show for three years. And I love the company. I do. I love Highmark. They, I always say they set the Highmark for other companies to follow. And earlier this year, we had uh, for the first two quarters, a, another sponsor, AudioEye, which is a great great company for digital accessibility. They have a great product. So thank you to all of them. Well, it is a pleasure to me today. I love it when the guest is from Pittsburgh. I love it. You know why? That means we're doing something right here for people with disabilities. Of course, I'm biased being that I am in Pittsburgh, but I do believe we're doing so much here for people with disabilities. And I've got to tell you, this guest is like strike zone in diversity and inclusion. Strike zone. And is asked to speak so often to companies across the United States. And I am just thrilled to have us her with us. Dina Clark is the Diversity and Inclusion Manager for North America at Covestra. Dina, welcome to the show. Hi, Joyce. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And I'm excited. Um, Thank you for that warm introduction. Yeah, well, it, I, I, I just spent time with uh, Dina out of town, and I had such a great time spending that time with her. You really don't get to know people until it's more than hello, you know, when you're at a <laughs> meeting or passing in Pittsburgh. So, and as I said, Dina, you are known uh, nationally for, and you've worked You've done work globally, so you're very well known for your expertise in diversity and inclusion. So my first question is, when did you first begin working in the area of diversity and inclusion? Well, it's interesting. I guess I'll be dating myself a little bit, but I started in 1996 as an anti-bias trainer for the Anti-Defamation League. And my entire career, up until Covestro, was solely based in the nonprofit sector. I certainly partnered with corporations and other sectors, but I was based in nonprofits, and, and here I am now at Covestro. Well, I guess you could say that um, no bias training sort of was, well, if you were with the Any Defamation League, you were all about diversity, uh, just not at a corporation as you are today. But before you joined Covestro, you worked at the YWCA. Uh, first of all, tell us about your work there, and then also tell me how different it was for you to move to the private sector from the not-for-profit world. Oh, no problem. So I was um, the lead or the senior director of the Center for Race and Gender Equity at the YWCA Greater Pittsburgh. Um, I was launched, they had the center in the past, but it had gone sort of on a hiatus, and then they brought me in to relaunch and reinvigorate the goals of the center. And I was really thrilled because uh, the person they brought in to co-launch with me was Gloria Steinem. So I got the chance to hang out with Gloria Steinem for the day and talk about inclusion and diversity for the day, and then um, move full speed ahead on the goals of addressing the elimination of racism and the empowerment of women, which are the two focal points for the YWCA. Um, 
in that role. Uh, I did a lot of work not only with corporations, but after-school programs, school districts, nonprofits, et cetera, community organizations, to really try and raise awareness and support advocacy efforts to make sure that people are treated equally. And that included not just race and gender as their focus, but certainly people with disabilities, as well as people who were dealing with other types of struggles in their life. And it was a quite rewarding experience. So, yes, that was my most recent job before Covestro. And then what did it seem like for you to move from that to the private sector? Well, it's interesting. People are people, whether they're working in public or private. Um, I would say the biggest difference is that resources. Somebody joked with me and they said, what's the biggest difference you've noticed? I said, there's hot water in the bathrooms in corporations. <laughs> so <laughs> not to slight nonprofits, but it was different when it came to, came to resources. But I would say um, because you've got opportunities to work with larger teams, um, that the work is spread out in the nonprofit sector, you're doing a lot of the work all yourself. And so um, that's always a bit of a challenge when you're trying to spread the word and we need all hands on deck regarding this topic. And also, um, it's also important for people to understand that no matter if it's a small organization or a large corporation, you're still connecting people with people and people with community. And that's what really makes the difference when you're trying to drive change, um, especially when it comes to inclusion. And so those are the factors that even though they may be very differently funded or differently uh, populated or employed industries, it's really the difference between how you connect people and community and the resources that you have to do so. Right, and I tell people all the time, you know, they'll say, they don't get it that when you're at a not-for-profit, you also have to bring in money. Although it is not a for-profit company, you have to be able to pay the bills uh, exactly. and, you know, run the organization. You have to have that same business savvy. You know, I had... Uh, an executive that run a national not-for-profit, and he was telling the board how he needed to bring in more and more funds that were not restricted. He said, mm -hmm. I'm going to have, you know, $10 million in restricted funds, but I can't uh, pay the light bill. Right. And, and you know, it, it is. It's also challenging. It's not that it's this easy job. I mean, because you're in charge, really, of keeping the operation running and moving. So, uh, although people think there aren't any similarities, you know, I believe they are. But your example is the best talking about just people, you know, dealing with people. So, at Cavestro, Dina... You are the head of diversity and inclusion for all of North America. How about you tell us first about Covestro? Because some people, you know, because of the recent, as far as, you know, over the past 10 years, the name change, they don't know who Covestro is. So um, let's start with that. Tell us about Covestro. Okay. So we um, spun off from Bayer in 2015, and we became our own company, and Covestro is globally headquartered in uh, Leverkusen, Germany, but regionally headquartered right here in Pittsburgh. So that's another plus for Pittsburgh. Uh, and we make advanced materials that are used to produce plastics, coatings, foams, adhesives, and really... Uh, a lot of things that we use are transformed to everyday products that we use every day. For example, um, the adhesives in your shoes or insulation in your refrigerator or even the plastic casing on your phone are some of the examples of our products. So people joke sometimes, they say you can't walk through a day without interfacing with at least quite a few Covestro products. So we're quite proud of that. And yes, like I said, based right here in Pittsburgh. And I was very, very honored to take on the role of head of diversity and inclusion because when I was hired, they said, we'd like you to build our DNI strategy from scratch. And so I was given a clean slate to do so and have been plugging away ever since for the past four and plus years. So it's exciting. Right. And uh, I know Jerry McCleary, who will soon be stepping down uh, from his position as chair CEO, 
is someone you and I both think the world of, but I know how directly involved he was in getting you into that role. Yes. So once I was hired, Jerry came over and we had a meeting and he said, tell me what you need. And I said, I need you and your support on diversity and inclusion. And we talked about what support looked like. And I said, it's not because I don't know how to do this job. It's because support for inclusion must come from the top. And Jerry was the top of the company for our region at that time. And so he then introduced me to the business differently than I would have been introduced otherwise. And we started working together. And as a team, we really worked to not only help connect diversity and inclusion to our workforce and help people understand our efforts, but also to the community. And for that, I will be forever grateful to Jerry, and I will miss him deeply when he is on golf course somewhere in his retirement. <laughs> so, But yes, that's the way it should be with the support. Any company that's listening out there, when you're starting your diversity and inclusion efforts, make sure that the top of the company is supporting because that's the best way to have it uh, connected to the company culture. That is so true. When you, when you have that support from the top, it makes such a huge difference. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Jerry. But right now, we're going to go to break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dina Clark. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Hope you're having a great day today. And our guest today is my friend, Dina Clark, the Diversity and Inclusion Manager for Cavestro North. America. And you know, before we went to break, we were talking, uh, Dina and I were talking about Jerry McCleary, who has been the CEO of Cavestro and will soon be uh, retiring. And when Dina was talking about the commitment from the top, oh, that makes all the difference because when someone knows I have the CEO's ear, everything is so much easier. Wouldn't you agree with that, Dina? Yes, and not just the ear, but his active support. I mean, I cannot emphasize enough how important it was. Jerry rolled up his sleeves, got directly involved, understood the aspects, all aspects of inclusion that were important to the business and the company culture, and we dove right in as a team. And I'm so honored to have worked with him like that, but also to look back and to watch the evolution versus where we started makes me really, really proud and I'm looking forward to see where we can take this in the future, even as he retires at the end of the year. Right. And he is charismatic beyond belief. He is a man of integrity, obviously brilliant, talented in so many ways. But he has a heart of gold. He is like down to earth. He's, a, he's real. He's a real person and has been so supportive 
of many diverse groups, including people with disabilities. But I think you would agree he is so down to earth, isn't he, Dina? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's great about Jerry is that because of his authenticity, he inspires other people to sometimes get out of their own way and break through their shell and show their authenticity and leadership as well. So it allowed people to sort of join the cause, if you will, and and really look at inclusion from their aspect of the business so that we can all work together as a team. And for that, I'm also really excited about because Jerry is contagious. (laughs) In a good way when it comes to driving companies. That is a good way to describe him. (laughs) He is. And now Hawking Janssen will be the CEO of Cavestro. And I'm sure you feel he will carry on uh, as Jerry did. Yes. And Hawking's already off to a fabulous start. In fact, one of the things he did early on is that he said to me, um, you know, we're really looking at inclusion and, you know, we've got a lot of on our agenda. And he ended up expanding the time that I meet with the top executives uh, to, from the current time I had. So we're really seeing that he honored not only Jerry's work, but looking to make his own evolution when it comes to his support around inclusion. So I truly, as a diversity and inclusion leader, couldn't have a better scenario than two supportive leaders on either end of this transition. So I'm pretty excited. Yes, that is. That is great that it worked out like that. So, Dina, what, tell us about your role. What, what do you do as the manager of diversity and inclusion? Part of what I do is, as you heard, I work with um, our top leadership, so the CEO and president for North America. And for North America, uh, for us, is, uh, the U.S., it was support and guidance to Mexico. But I'm based in the U.S. in Pittsburgh. Um, I work on aligning our diversity and inclusion strategy, which focuses on our colleagues, um, which is really the, the commitment to a diverse workforce and casting the widest net to find the best talent. Our company, which is sort of described what happens once you're here. Are we inclusive? What kind of company culture do we want to protect, preserve, and evolve? And then our community. What, what about Covestro do we want to share with the community? What types of people do we want to attract to our company? And it sort of completes the circle when it comes back to our hiring uh, efforts as well as, um, you know, keeping our employees here happy and, and connected and inclusive and making sure that they all have a voice. Um, some of those specific efforts work with HR, our communications department, our legal department, um, all in different areas and aspects, but all aligned with the business. Some people think uh, diversity and inclusion is what I like to say is just food, fest, fun, and fluff, but it's so much more than that. If you have a good business case on diversity and inclusion and top leadership commitment, then you really can really affect company culture, and that's what I'm proud of that we're working on at Covestro. So um, my role is diverse, <laughs> Uh, diverse in every aspect, but certainly aligned with our business goals. And, um, and I'm really grateful to be able not to work with just the top executives, but also people from other countries that are connected to Covestro sharing what we do in the North American region. Now, did they have diversity and inclusion manager before you joined? Um, so because I was hired for the carve-out, I started technically two weeks before we came, became Covestro. So I am the first person uh, to lead diversity and inclusion for Covestro. I thought so. I thought you were. Mm-hmm. So a question yep. that I have, what do you do, like say you went to a new company, you didn't know anything uh, about them, but you're brought in for this role how do people, what do they do? Like, how do they know, how do they evaluate what the culture of a company is like? Well, to me, the first thing is you'd have to spend some time talking to people, um, visiting at different aspects. I would talk to anyone from the custodian to the CEO. Everyone, to me, should have a stake in the company and certainly would have an opinion about the company. I would observe to see if the walk and talk are aligned. And just see what your general feeling is. There's also certain things around a business aspect to look for things like policies, um, areas where maybe the the company has supported community-based efforts. For example, I know Covestro has signed on to the United Nations 
sustainable development goals, and not just signed on, but also have been active in making sure that we look at sustainability, which also has a connection to diversity and inclusion. So what are some of the tangibles that companies can grab onto that connect back to their inclusion efforts? I also think um, in some cases you look at uh, how happy people are <laughs> and how do you measure happiness. I'm not sure. Sometimes it's measured through retention. Sometimes it's the smiles on people's faces. Sometimes it's whether or not you provide opportunities for just all employees to have access to top leadership. And I know for a fact, I'm so proud that our company does that on a regular basis. We, you, know, you can go up and set an appointment with Hawken or Jerry or any of the senior executives, and you don't have to be at a certain level. They, they uh, are inclusive that way, and I think that's one of the main things. Another thing I noticed, it may be small to some, but it's big to me, is they all don't take meetings just in their office. They go visit people where they are. They meet people where they are. And so that's, there's something to be said about that, that they're willing to um, sort of lead and follow in both ways and provide support and listen to employees in their own space. Um, there's a lot of other things, but it just depends on the company that you're talking to. But I think the most important is to connect with the people and uh, see what they have to say anywhere between the C- CEO and the custodian. Wow. Oh, yeah, that is so good because that is the only way you really know what's going on. I know a chairman of a board of a multi-billion dollar company, he used to do that. He would go to all levels. He would go into the plant. He would go everywhere. But he said to me, this is because I really want to know what's going on. So right. I mean, that, that I think that your plan there is excellent. But I know we also have a caller on the line. Uh, Peggy, are you on the line? I am on the line, Joyce. Hi, how are you? Good, Peggy. Uh, do you want to tell our listeners who you are? Sure. Um, I'm Peggy Beam. I'm the President and CEO of the Epilepsy Association of Western and Central Pennsylvania. Hi, and how are thank you? thank you for calling. I'm good, Dina. Thank you so much for taking my call, Joyce. I, I just wanted to call and say thank you to Dina um, for all of the amazing work that you do um, in this field of inclusion and diversity, and it's such an important topic for, for us um, and for those of us who work in the disability community, but for everybody. Um, and um, we learn so much from those of you who do this on a daily basis, and, and we really are so grateful for that. And, and we're so blessed to have Covestro here in the Pittsburgh community and to have your support, um, Dina, over the years and, and to have the support of Covestro. I know that... Um, you folks are all very supportive of the Epilepsy Association and, and have always been very involved in our Mardi Gras Gala, and, and I just wanted to call and say thank you so much for everything that you do, not just there at Covestro, but in the community as well. Thank you so much. That made me smile this today. That was wonderful. Thank oh. you. I well, appreciate you. that. We all oh, need to stick together you. to make things change, so we we're, <laughs> as, as far as I see it, we're all in this work together. Well, we all need leaders, too, and you do an amazing job of showing us the way, Dina, and, of course, you, as you do, Joyce, on a daily basis for me. So um, thank you both very much. I just was listening and thought I need to call Dina and say thank you. It's, it's important work, and, and um, we're very, ha- very grateful that you are there doing that every day at Covestro and, oh. and very grateful that you are here in Pittsburgh. So thank, thank you again. Much. I appreciate your comments. Thank you. No, hey, Peg- thank you. Peggy, thank you so much yeah. for calling in. Oh, absolutely, Joyce. Hope to see you soon. Okay. Both of you. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Mm, bye-bye. Here, that is just one example with uh, someone from Pittsburgh calling in. I want to say that we conduct the Bender Leadership Academy for several years now at Covestro. And... At these different companies, we ask, you know, if like an executive would come in uh, to speak for a few minutes. And uh, Dina came in, and now I'm not kidding you. When I say she stayed a long time, she stayed to answer every single question that the high school students with disabilities ask, every single question. And believe me, they had a lot of questions. Uh, But, I mean, she could have, A, not come at all, B, come in, said a few words, and then left. 
but she didn't. So, you know, that just tells you uh, what Dean is like. But right now, I know on the half hour, we have our news break, Advocacy Matters, with Perry Jude Radisick. Perry, we have you. Hey, Joyce, how are you today? I'm good, Perry. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. Well, we have exciting news and on advocacy matters coming out of the United States Supreme Court. And yesterday, on Monday, the United States Supreme Court began its new term. So the court will hear arguments on cases and make decisions until the end of June 2020. That's their entire term. It goes from October until the end of June. So they had their first day in session on Monday. And the Supreme Court already made a decision on a disability issue. The Supreme Court decided not to review a case regarding website accessibility. So they decided not to review Domino's Pizza versus Willermo Robles. The case was on appeal from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, if you go to our website, at disabilityrightspa.org, you can read a news article from the American Bar Association on this case, as well as finding the opinion from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So the Ninth Circuit ruled that Domino's Pizza, as well as other retailers, have to make their website and mobile applications accessible in the Ninth Circuit. That case brought by Mr. Robles under Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act and California's Statewide Civil Rights Act. And the three-judge panel on the Ninth Circuit held that the Americans with Disabilities Act applied to Domino's because the ADA mandates that places of public accommodations like Domino's Pizza they have to provide auxiliary aids and services to make visual materials available to individuals who are blind. Now, the panel went further than that, Joyce, and they stated that the Americans with Disabilities Act applies to the services of a public public accommodation, not just services in a place of public accommodation. So let me say that again. The Ninth Circuit said that the ADA applies to the services of a public accommodation, not just services in a place of public accommodation. Therefore, the website and the mobile applications that connect us to the goods and services offered by a place like Domino's, they've got to be accessible. Now, the Ninth Circuit didn't say whether Domino's website or mobile applications complied with the ADA. The court is sending it back to the district court to look at more discovery and to decide whether Domino's meets the ADA mandates. So, again, we're not done with all of this yet. It's just that the Supreme Court said we're not going to hear this case The Ninth Circuit ruling stands that says website mobile applications come under the Title III of the ADA, so you've got to make this accessible. It's going to go back to the district court to decide whether Domino's website meets ADA mandates. So we'll continue to follow this. First day of the Supreme Court session, uh, a ruling like this comes out. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling stands. And so go to disabilityrightspa.org and get all of the information so that you can follow this case. Thank you so much, Perry. Uh, A question and a comment. Uh, First, I'm actually going to make my comment. Imagine this, e-commerce not accessible to people with disabilities. You know, that you can't go order a pizza via the website because it's not accessible. Unbelievable. My question is, this has happened. Now what? Like, what do we need to see now? What do we need to see next? Sure. Well, what we're going to pay attention to 
is, uh, one, what happens in California? Will, uh, will they settle with Mr. Robles? Will they actually go to the district court and determine whether their website meets accessibility standards? Next thing we'll have to look at is what will the Justice Department do? Will the Justice Department <clears throat> uh, issue any guidance, clearer guidance around website accessibility standards? The next thing we want to look at is what other circuit courts will do. Will there be other cases coming out of other circuits that will um, provide any more clarification on this? Uh, and will the Supreme Court look for another case uh, to take regarding website accessibility? Because I don't think uh, retailers like pizza companies are just going to walk away from this. Yeah. Right, I agree with you. Well, Perry, thank you so much. DisabilityRightsPA.org. Make sure you go there. Make a donation. Perry, we love having you. You are doing a great job. And thank you for providing all of our listeners in the United States and around the world with what's going on right here in our country. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Joyce. Take care. So, Dina, we like to keep people informed. So every week at 2.30, we have this news break, um, and that was really a big case. Everyone's been talking about it, so hopefully it will move in the right direction. Dina, getting back to diversity and inclusion, um, how input, I can't believe, by the way, how many companies I work with, and they yet do not have a head of diversity and inclusion. Why do you think that's so important to a company? It's critical because you have now a dedicated person who is able to drive that connection to inclusion on a daily basis. And without doing that, it's kind of like keeping the momentum of a wheel rolling. Um, If you don't have a dedicated resource, and if that resource doesn't have the support from the CEO, then you can only move things but so far. And so if for no other reason to show a true commitment to the company culture and the evolution of the company goals, you have to have that person in place. And they can't just be in place as a figurehead. They have to be supported by the leadership. It's critical to the success of embedding diversity and inclusion within the company framework. Critical. So, yes, I agree. It is critical because it will make them more successful. You know, exactly. without diversity, without diverse thought, how can you possibly move forward? Um, and and why would employees want to work for you if that is not the way it is? Don't you agree that would have an impact on that? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that I think that some companies that are new to the diversity and inclusion space that are trying to figure this out. Sometimes they have people buried in HR. Sometimes they're buried as initiatives or just committees. But when you have a dedicated resource and that person can work across the business to make sure everyone has their connection to diversity and inclusion, not just in the business areas but the service areas and across the company, you are making a difference. And there's a whole lot of research out there that shows that when you have an inclusive culture that's supported, it's better for business and better for people. So to me, it's a no-brainer decision, and I'm glad that Covestra moved in the direction to have a resource, and I'm, and I'm glad I'm the resource. Uh, and it's important for me to make sure that, um, that I'm connected to other resources as well because that way we all can learn together on how to evolve the culture. Right. Um, oh, yes, I agree with you 100% about that. I wanted to ask you a question. At most corporations in in the United States, does diversity and inclusion fall under HR? Is it separate? I mean, how does it work at most companies? Well, um, for companies that are that are um, just getting started, lots of times they will start with HR based topic areas. Um, but they are just that. They are topic areas. Usually when companies reach an evolutionary period of really embedding DNI within the culture, then it moves under the president or CEO's office. But you will see a lot of companies that are early in getting started having it launched 
through HR and then evolving to work with the president or CEO. Because as I mentioned earlier uh, in the show, that without that support um, from the CEO, then it's harder to embed it across the company. And if the person is just based in HR, then you're usually getting an HR inclusion effort, but then it doesn't reach other department areas. And, um, and then that doesn't give the company the full potential to embrace inclusion. So it just depends on where you're looking and, and what you're doing. But I think you will see um, lots of vice presidents or chief diversity officers that are leading the charge, and um, they have a hybrid situation as well, where sometimes they're working with HR in conjunction with the president's office. So it really just depends on the company and the industry. Well, you know, here's the thing. If it's not separate, you know, diversity and inclusion uh, executive, then how the heck would they ever be able to say that human resources needs to be more diverse if they're buried <laughs> underneath that same department? That would be hard to do. So, you know, that's why I think it's best to have that, uh, you know, the executive separate uh, and, you know, that is just my opinion. But, boy, if you hide it under HR, I mean, you know what? You're never even going to be able to find uh, diversity and inclusion. Then it's just sort of like I'm doing this to do it, but I really don't mean it. So, um, you know, I'm glad that it is how you are doing it right now. Well, Me too. I want to talk. <laughs> Thank you. I, I wanted to talk for a minute about um, disability. Okay, I have another Mm -hmm. example about Dina. So I was with Dina, and we were talking, and I was telling her that the disability rights community, from Ted Kennedy Jr. to Judy Uman, are all adamant about, please don't call us other names, like differently abled, diverse ability. We are people with disabilities. Now, when I tell that to people... Some of them just say, well, okay, we'll see, or whatever. Here's, here's uh, Dina's reaction. Uh, she writes it down. Oh, no, I've got to go check that. I've got to check that out and see what we're doing. That's what I mean about her. She, she really does take all of this uh, seriously. And I know, Dina, you include people with disabilities in your diversity and inclusion work. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Sure. First and foremost, to me, people with disabilities are part of our workforce and should be part of our workforce because, as I mentioned earlier, we are committed to casting the the biggest and widest net to find the best and brightest talent. And there are populations that are missed. So it's critical that people with disabilities are not only included in those opportunities but also supported once they are here. And I know that we've got people in our company um, that may have a disability, whether it's disclosed or not, and they are very, very um, committed to their jobs, and we are trying to make sure that we have a culture where everybody can be themselves. In fact, we have an employee resource group dedicated to support people with disabilities as well as connect to other uh, efforts of inclusion for underrepresented populations. So for me, it's a critical piece of our workforce. The people that are here um, should also understand and learn from each other, uh, depending on what business area they're in. And I think it creates another aspect of connection and inclusion um, that only makes our company stronger. Yes, and uh, so you all know, I mean, Covestro has been working with Bender Consulting Services and bringing on people with disabilities in all areas, including, guess what, the CEO's office. Did you all hear that? Here's a company (laughs) that takes this so seriously that they have worked with Bender and had a person with a disability in the CEO's office, you know, supporting that office. And that is absolutely making a statement of how seriously they believe this is. Uh, And Dina and the company have been supporting this for years. And again, as I mentioned, 
we conduct the Bender Leadership Academy, which is a program that I conduct for high school students with disabilities about the world of work, leadership, work ethics, you know, interviewing, and how to deal with bullying. Um, and Dina has been there. We'll be asking her to come back again. But Dina, I know that impacts you, uh, those students, how excited they are when they meet you. It's exciting, and I love hearing what their career interests are. I love exposing young people to a corporate environment and really understanding what their stories are. And I see resilience when students come here, and I think it's important that they're reminded that despite any barriers or perceived barriers, that they can accomplish anything that they set their minds to, and they just need to be able to see the opportunities in front of them, and that's critical to me. Um, I also feel very strongly that when companies open their doors to just let people in to, sit, to just show what's going on, let people decide where they might be the right fit and where they might have the right passion and where they might have the right experience. It doesn't always have to be what you think you can do. Allow yourself to sort of expand your own horizons. And when we do programs like Bender Leadership and have students explore or the Disability Mentoring Day, I know we're also doing, uh, trying to expand our partnership with the American Association of People with Disabilities, and I'm hopeful that we can maybe get an intern in our D.C. office. All of those things open up opportunities in people's eyes to what's out there, and I think it's really important. Yeah, and I really want to thank you on behalf of all Americans with disabilities on how supportive you are of making sure uh, that disability is part of diversity. And uh, also, you know, Disability Mentoring Day, just as she said, they have been longtime supporters of Disability Mentoring Day, which is the third Wednesday of every October. But here in Pittsburgh, we also have a kickoff a VIP kickoff for uh, Disability Mentoring Day, which Covestro also has supported. Uh, this year, our speaker is Ted Kennedy Jr., who is, in fact, the chair of AAPD and the chief operating officer of Highmark, Karen Hanlon, is also going to come, you know, and make some comments. But these high school students with disabilities... It, it, it helps in two ways. Number one, the student says, wow, you mean I could do this? You mean I could have a job like this? And for managers, it says, wow, and I thought people with disabilities couldn't do this. Look how great this person is. And it builds up a pipeline for your future you know, of interns. So Mm -hmm. Disability Mentoring Day, if you aren't participating this year, start planning now for next year. Go to aapd.com. That's who our fundraiser is for that night. And, you know, find out more or contact me at benderconsult.com and I will be sure to get information uh, back to you right away. So, uh, Dina... I don't know why the unemployment of people with disabilities is three times that of the non-disabled, but it is, and 70% of people with disabilities are still not counted in the workforce, Uh, and yet next year is the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and you know why. That's the big question. Just today, former Secretary of Labor Tom Perez was on a call with me, and that was the big question. Why? Why is this not changing? Uh, Dina, what's your thoughts on that? I think that people haven't opened their eyes wide enough or they're rolled up their sleeves far enough when it comes to proactively engaging populations that are ready and able to work and being part of our community, contributing community. Um, and I think that that, uh, that requires people to uh, get out and move away from their own biases and give people an opportunity. That's all that we're asking for is an opportunity. Let people show you what they're capable of. And don't misread because you have a bias. And when you do that, the people, the businesses that have figured that out, they are the ones that are going to flourish. The ones that are not, have not figured that out yet, they'll be left behind 
Um, and I think that's what's critical. So if people would just get out of their own way and give people, provide an opportunity, qualified people, because I think that's a distinction that people assume, that if you are from a population that you aren't qualified. We have qualified people who are ready and willing to work that people won't give an opportunity to. And that's, that's unfortunate. So I think that's one of the biggest barriers. And when you look at business, everybody's out there looking for great talent. So why not open your eyes wide enough and roll your sleeves up far enough to find the best and brightest talent and make sure that the disability community is included? That's the best way to approach it. And that's, um, I'm passionate about that because there are a lot of overlooked populations, yet people claim they can't find talented people, which to me, those two don't match up at all. So, Dina, I'm taking you on the road with me. (laughs) Let me tell you, this is my hot button because I'll go, and I know you've been to them also, Dina, to events on the labor shortage in the workforce. And Mm -hmm. I will hear them. I even told this to our uh, county executive, Rich Fitzgerald, that if I go to one more event and hear people say, where, where are we going to find the talent? Where, where are they? Where will we find STEM skills? Where will we find people that can do these jobs? And I tell them, I want to jump up and down and say, here, look here. Exactly. Waving my hand in the air Um, and, and in other diverse groups. I do not get it why people don't do what you just said, roll up their sleeves, open their eyes, get out there, do some work, do some recruitment, and you will find an untapped labor pool. People with disabilities, there is an untapped labor pool of people that you could recruit that would help you be more competitive in the workforce. Uh, And, you know, I think it's hire people like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry to say it, but that's what I think it is. I hire people like me. And if you make me uncomfortable, you're different. I'm not going to hire you. And as you, all my listeners might guess, there is this thing called intersectionality, meaning I'm African-American and I'm in a wheelchair. I'm Asian and I'm blind. I'm Latina, and I'm deaf, and I'm from the LGBTQ community, and I have post-traumatic stress disorder. In other words, for some reason, people get in their mind, they think of people with disabilities, and everyone they think of is either Helen Keller or FDR. They're white people. And that is so far off. That's why I tell people when I speak, I'll say, at any time in your life, you could join my group. You are right now the temporarily able-bodied. Although I must say, I must say, the LGBTQ and the African-American community have been my biggest supporters. And I guess that's because been there, done that. What do you think about that, Dina? I think all of those are important points, and I think it still speaks to people getting out of their own way by recognizing their own biases and truly tapping into what you referenced, an innovative and uh, ready-to-work workforce. I will say this, something about innovation, that our company uh, thrives and considers itself connected to innovation. And when you think about innovation and you think about inclusion, they are absolutely connected. You need multiple perspectives of employees with multiple experiences to help drive innovation, whether that's through our products or our policies or our practices, and to make solid business decisions and connections to that innovation. If you don't have a wide range of people doing that, you're not going to be as innovative as you could be, which will eventually affect your business. So to me, hiring people with disabilities is not just about casting the widest net or rolling your sleeves up, but it's also, it's directly related to a smart business decision that drives innovation. And for those folks that don't miss that, well, then I'll say (laughs) they're not going to get very far and they're going to hopefully catch up at some point, but that's the way I see it. And that companies that that are figuring it out need to also figure out how to keep things rolling and how to make sure things evolve. Because once people are hired, 
that is part of my job is to make sure people are connected to the culture, connected to the people, connected to each other. And so at Covestro, we want you to connect with us because those are important aspects of not just our business decisions, but our, our cultural community here. And so it's critical. And to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, I know. Well, Dina, I see we're moving toward the end of the show, but before we end, I always have to ask our guest, who is your role model? Like, who impacted you so much? Wow, that's always a difficult decision. Um, The first role model I think of, and I have to put an S at there, are my parents. Um, Specifically my mom, but definitely my parents. They were my first role models as a child, Um, but I think of them. Um, often, and when I think about my inclusion commitment and diversity, I learned those early lessons from them. Um, but when I think about community members, this is going to sound funny, but it's Mr. Rogers is one of, one of several role models, not because he did things specific to diversity and inclusion, but he embodied inclusion before it became a field, a practice, or even a job. He was about making sure people were heard and seen and supported, and when needed, he surfaced as a, as a leader, almost like a servant leader, to share with other people um, the voices of people that may not have been heard otherwise. So I respect anyone that has that approach, and um, I also respect that he uh, had a spot in Pittsburgh or the Pittsburgh region for a long time, which also makes him near and dear to my heart. And so he is one of several people um, that I honor, but definitely my parents as, a, as first role models And I appreciate the practice of Mr. Rogers, specifically with children, because when you start young, the next generation is going to carry us through with this inclusion journey. And um, he figured that out a while ago. So I appreciate the question. Oh, great man. What's he say? Anyone that helps a child is a hero to me. I mean, and he, what a great role model. Uh, what, well, Dina, thank you so much. Dina Clark, Diversity and Inclusion Manager for North America from Covestro. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you to your listeners. And I appreciate the time, Joyce. Thank you. Okay, and listen, Dina, if anyone wants to follow you, such as possibly you're speaking somewhere or whatever, where is it best to follow you? Um, Probably Twitter, where I'm diversity underscore Dina. That's my Twitter handle. So you can find me there, and I'm also available at LinkedIn. And, of course, you can always contact me at Covestro. Okay, diversity underscore Dina. Dina. Dina, okay. Uh, Well, you got it, everyone, in case you want to reach out to her to speak somewhere. Uh, But right now, we got to get ready to close the show. We end every show with a quote, and this sort of fits the show today. The quote is from Dennis Waitley, and he said, First, we make our attitudes. Then, our attitudes make us. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.